Well, hi, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is Tuesday, not Monday. It is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. Okay, we all think it's Monday, but it's Tuesday because it's the day after Labor Day. Okay, which means that when today is over, you only have three days left. And also today is the day I think we can say everybody's back at school, so everybody have a great school year, okay, from we here at the Consortium for Equity and Education to everybody out there listening. Okay, today's a big deal, okay, back to school, definitely for everybody, though I know, I think our guest, I know, I know that I think, our guest, Micah Miner, who's an old friend of ours here at the show, he is the Instructional Technology and Social Studies Coordinator outside of Chicago at the Maywood Melrose Park Broadview School District, which is numbered School District 89 out there. And he is also a, uh, an author in our magazine over at ace-ed.org, our magazine Equity and Access, in the current issue. He's written for us before and just a great guy and a real champion of equity. And Micah will be here today to talk about the article that he wrote in this month's issue of Equity and Access, which is called Reclaiming Authentic Social Studies for the Next Generation, which I think is very important. Okay, we'll talk about exactly what he means by that. And if he wants to, we can also touch on AI and some of the effects of that, which I know he is very, very interested in. Remember, he's the social studies coordinator and the instructional technology leader over at School District 89 Maywood Melrose Park and Broadview in good old uh, Chicago land, if I may. We'll archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Go over there. Everything's free for educators. Our magazine, uh, check out the Excellence in Equity Awards, all the podcasts like this one are over there, etc. It's good stuff. We do it all for you. So please go over, check it out at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, we go from Maine to the suburbs of Chicago, the inner suburbs of Chicago, over to Micah Miner. Hi, Micah. How you doing today? Larry here. Hey, Larry. How you feeling? Happy uh, Labor Day day after. Thanks. Thanks. You sound a little beat up, Micah. How was the weekend? Oh, yeah, it was, it was busy. You know, my wife well, is an educator with Chicago Public Schools and myself. Right. So it was, we were working on the holiday. So. Oh, well, good for you, man. Okay, I think it's good for you anyway, but I'm glad. And school's in session. Everybody's here. How long have you been back now? We've, uh, my district has been back for two weeks. This is going into our oh, third so. week. Uh, so you, so we're you're kind an old of hand getting now. used to it. Yeah, That's yeah, right. it's, it's it's good. And just to, before we get into the topic about the uh, article, is there is there anything that has surprised you this year, as as the year begins? Something you weren't expecting? Something? <laughs> um, just or, or, retaining or everything you weren't expecting. <laughs> no, Say it again. There's always there's <laughs> always last minute issues. But the thing is, uh, we had a few last minute um you know, teachers that had left us right before the school year left us in a bit of a bind where we're still trying to figure it out because, you know why, it's a competitive marketplace for teachers now. It is. You know, and so it's hard to retain our talent even if we worked hard. So um, the best to them, we'll miss them, but we we, we recovered. We we handled it. We always try to. Good man. (laughs) Good man. And, uh, of course, you know, um, uh, that happens at another district. Somebody uh, you know quits just two weeks before school or a week before school, and they take they take your teacher, and now that teach now you have the opening, and it just goes on and on and on. It's tough out there. You know we're we're losing teachers, and and you know people want to go to a different district, or whatever. It's tough out there these days. Okay, so I hope everybody retained their teachers and is doing well. And now everybody stay where you are for a while at the school district. Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay. 
Wow, it's pretty brutal. It, it didn't used to be like this, but uh, the world is changing around us, my friend. It just really, really is. Okay, Micah, um, talk to us about your article, Reclaiming Authentic Social Studies for the Next Generation, when I got out of it. And uh, I, I don't like to get too political, but, you know, I look at the, what's going on in Florida. Okay, I'm just going to use that as the antithesis here. Okay, and, uh, you know, they're trying to hide history. No, you're not supposed to feel bad about what happened or whatever crap all of that is, okay? And I, I just, I, I kind of relate that to, uh, I, I learned from a movie that the German public education system did not, the German culture did not talk about the Holocaust until about 10 years after the war was over, okay? And it was it was really came out in a lawsuit from prosecutors, okay, German prosecutors, I believe in, it might have been, Dresden or Potsdam or something, and they were uh, they, they, that brought it to the forefront of public attention. A lot of Germans were just hiding their heads in the sand, and you know you have to talk about these things. And uh, so, social studies, and I was a social studies teacher. You know, it, it, it involves every ethnic group. It involves the, whole, involves the whole tapestry of the country. And yeah, we did bad things. So what we learn from them, so we don't do it again. If you don't learn from them, you just do it again. Okay, it's that's it's, here I go, ranting and raving, stealing your thunder. Go ahead, Micah. Talk to me what we should do about all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm stealing your thunder. I'm sorry. It just gets on my nerves with this crap. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I can tell that you're a former social studies teacher because all those adages, such as you know, um, you're, you're those who don't know history are doomed to repeat yeah. it, and et cetera, and et cetera. Yeah. And it's and it's what what the challenge is. Um, and I'll use Florida, for example, but like I said, it's, I'm not necessarily trying to be political. I'm talking about being yeah. balanced. Um, and I think that what really irked yeah, you me. Put that uh, big, you want your own podcast. It did better than me. You did better than me. <laughs> okay, with right. that. Yeah, balance. Yeah. Let's keep positive. Right. looking it's, to it's be balanced. It's about balance. Yeah, good. I like that. Um, yeah. and, okay. and the challenge that we have is like uh, our current glo- uh, like local and national politics are not balanced. And so you have these uh, really? macro no level idea. aggressions. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Macro level aggressions that like create these kinds of, um, you know, state challenges like Florida's facing. And then you also have these micro level aggressions that are being shown in these little quips and things that are on social media. And um, it just it got to a point this summer where I was like, I got to go back to my roots where I'm where I first learned some like alternative history, so to speak. Kind of like you yeah. know some kids who like the thousand lies my teachers told me that kind of thing. Um, where I, I remember that specific moment in sixth grade, and I tried to recreate what I was a moment, and that's what I wrote about this uh, that reference to Rage Against the Machine as the band. Um, and and there um, and then, yeah. then as I kind of dove into the analogy of using their their uh, their original album out, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of really good things that I learned in that sixth grade album, minus the curse words. Uh, <laughs> And so um, I wanted to make sure I could amplify that moment and share it because I have, I have family members who teach in Texas. I have family members who teach in Kentucky, um, you know, like, and I know how real their worlds are when it comes to being very careful with the, the what I would call very localized, stupid, and um, almost educational malpractice rules against teaching balanced history. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what drove me to write the article. And it's, and it's, um, too bad that I feel like I had to be so passionate in it because I believe a lot of teachers across the country, like you said, since it's a very competitive place, they're all trying to do their best. They're all trying to do yeah, their they best are. to represent the students. 
they're trying to represent the families and the community members. But then you get these few extremist views that end up seeping into the reality of our and kids taking and over. our teachers' instruction. Exactly, because it's not a majority of voices who are feeling this way. Oh, God, no, it never yeah. is. No, well, it, it never, never is. is. And, you know, look at McCarthyism. That wasn't a majority. Yeah, exactly. Great, yeah, great. The press takes over. The politics <laughs> take over. The politicians take over and, and make it crazy. And, you know, you, you mentioned the term um, <clears throat> alternate history, all right? And there's really no such thing, okay? There's no such thing. You know, if you bring in all this other stuff, okay, that's not alternate history. History is teaching people to look at the past and try to understand it, not hide the past, okay? What, we're, what, we, what we were teaching for years that uh, the, the founding fathers were descended from heaven, so to speak, is not accurate. It wasn't accurate. Okay, there were other no. things going on that we left out, but that's not an alternative history. That's just another look at it, at history from a different point of view. All right, I think and, I'll and agree with whole, you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Which which brings me, I hate to do this to you. Which brings me, I know you want to talk about AI too. Which brings me, you know, and I think I talked to you about this. You know, AI isn't about the answers. AI is about the questions. Okay, what questions yes. are we going yes. to ask this thing to answer? Okay, and then we got to look at the answers that that Mr. AI or Ms. AI produces. Okay, I don't know if it has a gender yet, but I'm sure by the end of this year it probably <laughs> will. Okay, so it's not Ms. AI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the the point is, it's not the answers; it's the questions. Okay, that matter, and it's here to stay, and we have got to. Put this all together and, and 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 somehow make it work in a world that we we don't even understand. Am I ranting here? Just stop me. Do you have the, no, no, it's totally, no. I totally yeah. I, I totally get yeah. that. And actually, as you as you know, my new book is coming out. I hopefully in November with Time Ten Publications. And um, um, I'm finishing we'll, we'll the do last podcast. Of we'll do a podcast. When is it coming out? <laughs> I'm when assuming. I'm out? trying to get it. I'm trying to get it late November ish. To match okay. the year-long, um, the year-long, you know, um, year anniversary of ChatGPT release, I'm working with. Time okay, Sense do me a favor. When editor. it comes out, or when, it, when you know it comes out, write me. I will. I'll, I'll reach out to you, Larry. Definitely, okay. I'll so, definitely do. But yeah. it talks a lot about this, like um, with with the role of AI and the importance of, um, and also some civics is in there. It's called harnessing AI for a human-centered education, um, empowering educators. And so, what when you talk about AI tools? Um, what people have, it's kind of like an easy way to help teachers who are struggling in these, what I would call red states or overly blue states that overrepresent one view. Um, you can use yeah. AI tools to help balance that by like playing different roles and different simulations of that, about that. But you have to realize that, that what AI is putting out is, is, is it's not, it's fictional. It's not real, right? It's, it's nonfiction based on a loose set of facts that it might have, and it's just creating <laughs> output. Um, but it's a, it, it, you can do some pretty fun things like debate the AI about uh, who was more important to African-American history, Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr., for example. And you can do a few things um, like that with it to play, to play this AI, the way AI could be used in teaching instruction. And then you're not violating all these like 
local rules and laws, and you're just trying to play in perspectives. My wife happens to teach at um, – it's a Chicago public school, but they use international baccalaureate program, okay? So they're very much nice. into yes, perspectives. Program. and Yeah, it's a great, great international program, very well-renowned and respected. And I think that's Absolutely. the area – where we should, we should focus on not necessarily the international baccalaureate standpoint, but their emphasis on um, balanced literacies, on balanced perspectives, and on viewpoints. And that's just good teaching and good learning. And so in, um, I had shared this, re- this article, Take the Power Back, um, to, with one of my colleagues. Well, all of my colleagues read it, but one of them particularly said, Mike, it was such a great article. You went really great. You went right up there to the end, and then I was waiting to, say, to hear, like, what I could do. And I didn't see as much of what I could do, so I'm telling, to this, <laughs> telling teachers now with this podcast, here's the things that you can do, not just with AI tools, but with other ways. You can make sure that you're just teaching balanced perspectives. You can use your secondary and primary sources to create, like, viewpoints of, like, how slavery looked as far as how people were able to overcome slavery and not be victims of slavery itself. Instead of saying these ridiculous notions that Florida's, um, you know, subdomain said about, like, their their check markers that, you know, these things are good for – they they, they learned in slavery things that could help them outside of slavery as if slavery was some sort of – benevolent great <laughs> thing slavery um, was basically a tech school yeah if I'm not mistaken. it was yeah yeah it really so, helped and, you get a good you know, profession yeah right exactly here's what it I says know, i don't know how we quote. missed that over all the years i don't know how the hell we missed that over all the years <laughs> i know, you know? And, it, and it's really relevant because um in in uh, my family particularly like my my wife's african-american so we have a mixed family heritage right and a lot of americans do a lot of you can be both and and not just either or you can be both american and you can have a swedish heritage you can be both american and you can have a polish heritage you can also <laughs> be you. american yeah. and puerto rican you can be american and mexican you can do all of these things that can be a both and mentality and we need to just find primary and secondary sources which no one would ever argue as not correct and use those to teach the various perspectives but we have to be very wise in how we do it in some of our states where these yeah. things are very uh, micromanaged and, you know, with all the book bans and things like that. And I know Maya, well, uh, the the editor, yeah. at the thing, she's, she's been working on trying to advocate for in Florida for these kinds of changes because we lose out on 50, over 50% of our kids in front of our public school system who don't see themselves in the curriculum. How frustrating would that be, Larry, if I go to very, school every day in history and then I don't even see myself or my family yeah. struggles there, or my history, yeah. historical family struggles, or my identity struggles. There. It's just, it's not sustainable. Ridiculous. It, it's a, thank you. It is not sustainable. Okay, and we've proven that it's not sustainable, and we have to be aware of that. And uh, well, I could go, go on and on. You know, you brought up something interesting though about AI. Okay, and I just was talking to a, a guy at a company called LifeBrand, uh, which is actually an interesting company, LifeBrand.life, if anybody wants to check that out. But I was just talking to TJ, the president over there, and um, is this, this is a, a social media company that's AI-driven. I'll let you go over to the website to figure that out. Okay, But he made a good point about equity and AI, Okay, and he, he, he reminded us, that, reminded me, excuse me, that Everybody who's written AI, when I say everybody, 98%, are white, okay? AI is not its own, it's not its own uh, um, thinking machine. Everything was inputted. And you've got to be careful about who was inputted. And one of the things that he's trying to do, okay, is create a much broader base for everything AI that they do, okay? Because the broader base they have, the more input from varied peoples you get. 
okay, which creates a truer sample. You got to remember, AI is artificial intelligence. Somebody had to input it, and it's really scary. Yeah. When you think about that, it's really scary, and no scarier really than the guys who wrote the textbooks from uh, 1900 to 1989. Okay, yeah, you right. know, right. It, 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 <laughs> Yeah, you bring up a really good point. Yeah. Thank you. training data. about time. I've been doing these for a lot of years. And I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You've been doing it. That's right. Um, Actually, I would like to kind of get to know a little bit about that company because he's very right and he's You've identified some of the important parts of how AI tools, which is becoming, I think, pretty well embraced throughout the K-12 United States climate right now that seems like we're much more positive than we were eight, nine, 10, 11 months ago. There's been a lot of professional development by people like myself across the country who've done a really yeah. good job. TCEA has done some good job. I was, um, that's uh, Texas Computing Educators Association. They've done some AI things yeah. that have um, helped empower teachers. ISD has also done some things I've been able to talk, you know, this summer I did some virtual conferences on both of those, um, those groups. And I think it's just really important that we talk about what AI is because what, what you talk about with bias and how it doesn't represent, um, yeah. you know, he, all of humanity is so true. Um, and we're going to get the same output. <laughs> like you said, if we study textbooks <laughs> from 1900 to 1990 and put them in, in the yeah. AI system, I would not want to use that system. Because there were so many air biases in our textbooks. They left out a little They left out just a bit. They just, they just, just, just left a little, out a little bit, bit. Right. Not much. Just a little bit. <laughs> you know? Just a little bit. Like almost everybody, but, you know. <laughs> but um, so it's really important that we use, and, and, and what I, that connection between instructional technology and social studies, what I'm advocating for yeah. generally as a person and in my educational leadership is they're very much connected. Um, the biases that we see in our system that we perpetuate with hmm. civics and social studies instruction are going to be inherent in our AI systems because our, mm-hmm. our humanity is not complete and the voices are not balanced. Um, and I'll keep using that word balanced for this podcast because, like I said, I don't want to alienate like the it. right or the left. I want to have honesty <laughs> in what really happened, right? You know, like, um, and I think that those are great ways for us to have large conversations with our students as teachers, discuss these things. AI is actually teaching social studies because it's societal implications. Um, using AI tools in instruction can be a great way to teach social studies and talk about biases. And I don't think that you need to be necessarily in a social studies class to teach that kind of thing or an English class. Um, Good point. And so we, we want to make sure that we can use those kinds of ways to teach through the biases and kind of overcome what we have is like this overly extremist backlash um, what I would call like an underlying white supremacist ideology that has creeped in in the past few years into our system that in my article that I speak about you know, for, for the uh, magazine is that what I thought was being battled in the 1990s with these like, you know, this, have, this, this band, this Rage Against the Machine band and about this guy who got a BA from Harvard who ended up becoming the drummer are the same battles that we're facing today. My mother and father-in-law um, – we're in Chicago, and my, my father-in-law is African-American, of course, and he went to Vietnam. My mother-in-law is Swedish-American, so um, they met, and they, could, they had to go to five counties in 1971 before anybody would marry them, okay? Are you, it's really great. Look. 71. Yeah, 71. So they have this in, great in, story. In, in Illinois? Are we talking Illinois? In Illinois. This is in Illinois. We're talking Illinois. We're not talking. <laughs> they had to get married in Royal County. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, wow. and that was, you know, it, you know, those are wow. such local histories. They're very wow. hyper-local, right? 
Um, and you can still see biases at that time period. And so it's such an important conversation to have. And it doesn't matter if I'm, I mean, I grew up in a very, you know, in America, I grew up in a very small town. Um, I was very involved in church activities. Um, I actually, my background actually is, uh, is I, I had an undergrad, I have an undergrad in, in, in theology. So I, I, I understand. I didn't very, know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, wow. I don't tell many people that because it means a lot of things differently now than what I thought <laughs> it was. Did. You just did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it meant a lot differently that I did not have, I mean, I almost went away from that heritage because that history is so tangled into this political mess that I don't like to get uh, have conversations about. And I think when I was being honest in that, not just the article, but in, in my own life, it's like I had I had to learn a lot from my 18 year old self, and I you know and to my 40 40 year old self and living in a very diverse um, you know Chicagoland area and being yeah. able to serve a community of almost 100% African-American Latinx students. Like, I, I, I need to learn, <laughs> and I still continue to learn, right? Um, and we still have such a lack of good Latino history in our United States, you know, curriculum. We don't, we don't, hi- we don't say it very well. Oh, Outside yeah. of Hispanic Heritage Month, but we just kind of ignore it, you know, where we yeah, highlight like a black history. It's like Black History Month. <laughs> it's like, okay. Black, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, I, and I think that as I learn as a white male how to manage and navigate and make sure that, the, uh, you know, my curriculum that we present as a district presents, represents our students and their diversity, that it's really important that we as as educational leaders and as we as even majority white people of my, like myself, even with mis- mixed heritages of my kids, that we really have these conversations because a lot of this is um, – some of this can be done with white people helping to educate other white people and not just make it the minority's burden to educate. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, what you said, Jeff, I was just thinking, the United States, uh, you know, the old melting pot, where we have so many ethnicities here in this country, okay, that we're, we're going to actually run out of months, okay, there's more than 12 ethnicities here in the uh, United United States, <laughs> exactly. yeah. you know, you have to get 22 more months. Okay, and I, did, I don't know if you ever saw it. Did you ever see, and I'm, we're watching, my wife works at PBS, so she got into a conversation, so that she wanted to watch us, which is great. It's Rick Burns, not, not Ken. Rick Burns' 1999 10-part uh, series on the history of New York. Have you ever seen that? No, but it sounds fascinating. It's called, it's called it is, it is. It's called, it, it, you know, it tries to, well, it's true. It, it tries to make New York the microcosm. Okay, of the of the uh, of America, okay, and uh, you know, but it constantly talks about the race struggle, the uh, social economic struggle, the immigrants, and all that sort of thing. It just absolutely from the very beginning, I might add. Obviously, it was founded by immigrants, okay, and except for the Native Americans, there I go, okay, who by the way sold it uh, fairly cheap and then got run off the land, okay. It's just. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I, really, I really recommend it because it really tells an interesting story about the good old U.S. Okay? And it's good yeah. stuff. This is stuff you need to know. It's stuff you yeah, need to know. Yeah, that's kind of what I see. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of stuff that yeah. you would, like, consider essential to understanding yeah. um, how yeah. America operates, right? And exactly. I like that idea of a microcosm, microcosm. Well, of course, New York wants to be center stage, of course. But um, yeah, <laughs> they always are in movies. But, but he's I the like the New idea. Hampshire, Rick Burns, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. A little bit closer yeah. to you in Maine over there. Um, but, yeah, it's really important. <laughs> and, um, and it's like how do we get systems that are historically 
against or historically suppressed minorities to re- to reverse course, you know, and come back to this idea of like not necessarily just those 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 series about New York, although that I, I do think I want to look at that because it is a great microcosm of the struggles of all these different groups yes, and identities and how they merge. By the way, I think you can yeah. find it on YouTube. I think you can find the whole series on YouTube. And I'm watching well, it. Everybody sure. knows. I'm watching it on Amazon. They have the PBS section on Amazon video. Okay, oh, and cool. you can pick it up there. Yeah, I didn't know that till oh. somebody told my wife of all this. There's a PBS documentary section, okay, on Amazon. So if you have Amazon, I'm gonna you can check that it up. out. Yeah, yeah that's, cool. that's cool. Um, and I like how you have alternatives to be able to educate yourselves because a lot of our school systems, you know, most, you know, they always talk about that joke or that like funny thing that like everything you need to know you learned in kindergarten, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to yeah. social and emotional learning and getting along <laughs> with others and all that stuff. But we have another like set of a lot of times our school systems don't share or aren't able to balance their historical teaching. So it is good that there are places like that Amazon PBS store to show yeah. other versions of histories, right? What we get what we get struggling with in our in our country is the misinformation of how, you know, how we have PBS which is a solid, you know, you know what that documentary series is, you know what's thoughtful and you know what's laid out. They have those videos. What's really important in social studies instruction too, and as you know this as a teacher, is you have to empower your kids to realize that, oh, PBS, that's that's a verified source. I, I can go there, but that YouTube called RabbitHole.org, you know, that's probably not a reliable source of information. And what we fail to do in our social studies instruction and our civics instruction across the United States, and just in generally our educational system, is we fail to prioritize because most of the time social studies and civics aren't tested. How important it is, and it, the social studies is a space where you teach kids how to understand the difference between you know, reliable information and non-reliable information, how to be able to disagree without being disagreeable, how be able to, how we can debate, yeah, hello. how we can have Socratic seminars. And because we haven't done a good job of teaching civics, Larry, in the past 30 years, yeah. we have the lowest NAEP scores in history in civics. That's right. And we also That's have right. the lack of people being able to get along with one another. And my, my, one of my arguments in a future book is – we really need to go back to what civics and history instruction is. Even if it's not tested, it needs to be prioritized and be given time because that's the only way we're going to heal our national wounds. Not I agree. Be because, but, you know, I agree. it's a space to do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, education is there to produce good citizens. Good citizens get along. They get along. Okay, and you brought up something a minute ago that I thought was very interesting. Okay, you've been talking about the word balance, okay, and then you were using the word misinformation, okay. In reality, okay, and this is something to think about with AI, there's no such thing as misinformation, okay. You can hear whatever somebody, however somebody wants to interpret it, but that interpretation doesn't mean it's right. Okay, and that's where your balance comes in. That's how schools and teachers have to use this AI stuff, is to say, look, you can believe whatever you want about Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden. You can believe whatever you want, but you've got to be able to balance it with something else. Okay, it's not wrong unless you know, start to understand why it's wrong. Okay, right. It's a whole, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting point in social studies education. 
Okay, it's a very yeah. interesting point. Uh, and, you know, I always say this, and this is one thing I, I will say. It. I live in a little corner of Maine that's very Republican. All right, when we have a Democratic state governor, uh, government, Democratic governor, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm pretty liberal, okay, but I live in a Republican part of the state, okay, and the people are uh, they're, they're pretty much Trump voters, and they're the best people in the world. Okay, they, my, my community would do anything for anybody else in this community. Okay, that's the way people are. But the, you go to the media, and it creates a picture that we're all against each other, and we are not. All right? So you yeah. have to look at that balance. You have to look at the, at the misinformation that's being fed to you and understand that it could be misinformation. And that's right. what we have to teach the kids. Okay? Right. Forget teaching them George Washington was the first president. They say, why did he own slaves? Why? Yeah. He's a good exactly. guy. Why did he own slaves? He wasn't a bad guy. And, I don't think. I didn't and know I him think, personally, but yeah. You know? And I yeah. think you just put a really good point out there to talk about how important it is to be respectful. Because even in your Republican community, and I grew up in a very Republican community, I've grown up to be, yeah. you know, I wouldn't even, I don't even like the words liberals and progressives, but I'm definitely not I don't either. In I conservative don't either. in any way, shape, or form. But like, I'm, I'm totally for people. Okay, so I'm for humanity, and that means I, I help it out. But um, I help people out. But generally speaking, it's really important that it's okay that, I mean, I have half of my family, well, I would say a third of my family members are, are pretty close to Republican as far as their voting views. Um, and, you know, the other ones, as they've grown up, have kind of diversified. Yeah. I have a I – ha, you know, yeah. they've diversified their perspectives. But it's really important to realize that that doesn't – we don't demonize the other, right? Like you said, the people important. that you're living with in Maine, even if whatever their political views are, they're not using that as a way to disparage other people. No. To, you know, run them over over a truck like that, you know, Canada's having that, you know, um, court case now that's going to court where that guy ran over that Muslim family and, and it's finally getting oh, yeah. to court. Oh, yeah, um, you know, that starts today. There's just like we, we can still be able to disagree without being disagreeable. We can have Republicans and sure. Democrats sit down and come up with common sense ways to teach balanced history that doesn't require these extremist views on either side to get in the way. Exactly. Right. Because the majority exactly. of us are just trying to get make ourselves, like you said, positive, contributing members of society. We want to be able to give back to our society and do well for our families. All those things are universal. Right. They're not they're not divisions. Those are things that we all can, you know, try to work towards. And that's where I think what we're missing. It's true. And I'll tell you something. I I always tell people this. Everybody's always in shock. One of my favorite uh, Supreme Court justices was Antonin Scalia. Now, everybody who I tell that to goes absolutely crazy. Okay, but it goes nuts. Okay, but I love that guy because I disagreed with every single thing he ever said on the court, okay, because he was such an arch-conservative, and I am not, but he was also a scholar of conservative thought. And I'm going to use your word, we need balance. We need balance. Not balance from idiots, but balance from people who really think about it, okay? And when you get balance, you have an honest and ethical rationale for government. That's my thought. Yeah. Are you shocked? Are you shocked? No, no, because I think you uh, provide a really good example, Larry, of how important it is to realize that being true to your philosophical underpinnings from a conservative is something that you can respect even if you're a liberal. 
Okay, or whatever you call yourself, progressive. Thank you, you know Mike. Thanks. Now, Mr. Minor, does that mean that I don't have to go to school for the rest of the year? I'll get an A, and that's it. I'm done. <laughs> you definitely. Am I, done? I, I could go to your school probably and learn from you. <laughs> but yes, uh, but yes, the reality is like it's okay to respect those differences and realize that they were still at least true to what they said they would be. You know, it's a balanced. person full of like you know, it's balanced. Even though, and also, um, everybody until right at the end where the acrimony really started. But you know. Scalia just generally had good relations with most of his Supreme Court peers, despite the he fact did. that they were he different. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's best buddy. Yeah, RBG's best friend. So even if yeah. they vigorously debated they about all the details, totally, yeah. they were still supportive in friendship. And I mean, and I think that that those are the kinds of stories we want to tell, not the stories of massive divisiveness and and divisiveness and all these challenges with all these different places, but realize that like. You know, we have to grow above the one viewpoint of Eurocentrism beyond, like, let's please leave that space. Like, it should never have gotten to a place where it was. But um, we also have to be willing to embrace how other people can be their own and we can be our own and we can still respect exactly. our commonality of humanity. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, that's it's, trying to centralize it. Yeah. It's the questions, not the answers that matter. And that mm-hmm. should be the, 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 the rallying cry. All right. Uh, the, as, as we leave, I want you to remember, hey, call me anytime you want to do a show, okay? But beyond, I'll write an article or whatever the case may be. But beyond that, okay, when the book comes out, you let me know and we'll get you on. Promise? I, I promise. I, I can definitely do that. <laughs> good, good I appreciate man. you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you too, buddy. Thank you, Mike. All right. As always, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Right. And you, you let me get rid of all my agita. I love that. I only wish I was in your class. You know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Larry. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Have, Have a, a good one. day. Thanks Have a good year. I'll talk yeah. to you soon. You do. Yeah. Bye-bye. Talk to you <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was my conversation with Micah Miner, everybody. He's over at uh, Maywood Melrose Park Broadview School District just outside of Chicago. Instructional technology, this is an interesting mix, and the social studies coordinator, he knows his stuff. Okay, so we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, and everything we do is over there. Please check it all out. Everything's free for you. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>